Our second reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, from the King James Version of the Bible. And it came to pass in those days that, they, that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be, she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The word of the Lord. It, um, it's been a hard few years. We'll just start that way. It's, it's been a hard few years for us globally. I know... Um, you know, we've dealt with political turmoil, with global pandemics, with all sorts of things that are just dark and hard. And I know for some of you, it's been particularly hard. I know that there are many of you that are dealing with sickness right now, have lost people over the past couple of years. You've seen families break apart. You feel like you're distant from siblings, from kids that you used to have a closeness to. And then there's just anxiety and mental health issues that so many of us are dealing with. There's a darkness. And that darkness doesn't go away because it's Christmas. In fact, sometimes it's a little stronger at Christmas. You feel like everyone's cheerful and all these songs are about happiness and you just don't feel that way. Life can be very hard and I know for many of you it actually really is. The same is true for the individuals at that first Christmas. You know, that first Christmas that we just had read about talked about this couple that end up having to go and stay somewhere else. And, and the characters in that story all have a really hard life. Their lives were very, very hard. Joseph, Joseph is a construction worker. And he's traveling with his fiance who's pregnant. And he doesn't know everything that's going on. And he's being forced all over the country because a dictator who is ruthless and will kill him forces him to go somewhere to pay some taxes, and his life is just hard. And then there's Mary. How confusing and fearful was life for her? She's like 15 years old, traveling with this guy she's engaged to. She's about to have a baby. She's nowhere near her family, her parents. She probably wants her mom. Go have a baby next to the animals, lay him in a manger. And then there's the shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night in a nearby country. And it sounds so beautiful, right? Shepherds. But their lives were really hard too. Their lives were hard because they were doing manual labor that was all day and all night long. 
They didn't get paid much. And in a, in a world where the people of Israel, the Hebrew people were kind of outsiders and on the edge and the low down, the shepherds were despised within their own country. Religious people wanted nothing to do with them. And average people thought of them as thieves and liars. Shepherds were not allowed to give testimony in court because they're shepherds. Everyone hates them. Nobody wants them around. And yet, the angel of the Lord appears to each one of them. The angel appears to these shepherds. It says in verse 9, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy, good tidings, sorry, of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this is, shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Angels appearing, the Christ, the Lord God come. But secular modernity, the, the world in which we live, has some philosophical assumptions. And the basic philosophical assumption is, is one that we actually all buy into, which is miracles don't happen. Angels don't really exist. Saviors don't come in the form of a baby. God, we can't really prove that he exists, right? The church just made all this stuff up years later so that they could keep power. That same secular modern philosophy that says there's no modernity also tells you this. Each one of us is here by accident. There's actually no purpose or meaning in life. You will live, you will die, the end. And in a million years, in fact, in 50,000 years, it will not matter whether you're naughty or nice. You could be really naughty, and it doesn't matter. In a million years, no one's going to remember the things you did. Ruthless dictator, or you start an orphanage, doesn't matter. No one's going to remember. We live, we die, the end. Merry Christmas. But we're not modern philosophers. We're actually just average modern people. And so we have some assumptions that, that there is meaning, that there is purpose. We have assumptions like equality and justice really exist, that all humans are equally valuable, deserving of dignity, deserving of rights, of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We have a, an assumption that there are such things as love and beauty and even some version of morality. There's right and wrong. And we feel it. We feel it in how music can connect to our soul and in, in how a movie can move us, can, can shape our, our vision, our dreams, how we can go out and see snow falling and just be awed, floored by the beauty of it, or a sunset and just be in wonder. Those feelings tell us that life has meaning and purpose. Or even things like romance or friendship or the love of a mom for a baby, those are real. These things matter. But an honest, irreligious person, an honest, modern philosopher will tell you none of it exists. That sense of justice or those feelings of love, you know what they are? They are just biochemical reactions that are happening inside of your head, a biochemical predisposition that evolved over millions of years in our ancestors. Biology knows this, right? Genetic traits millions of years ago that favored communal bonding formed in us 
and caused us to think love matters. There is justice. The ones who had that predisposition genetically were the ones who survived. But none of it's really real because there is no designer, there is no design, there's no purpose. One author summed it up this way, strict secularism holds that people are only physical entities without souls, that when loved ones die, they simply cease to exist, and sensations of love and beauty are just neurochemical events. There is no such thing as right and wrong. The only reasonable response to this is despair. <laughs> if life is meaningless, then even joy and family and love aren't real. But a good Stoic philosopher will tell you, quit blubbering. How about try indifference? Yes, life is hard and it doesn't matter and has no meaning. Do whatever you want. Live, you die, the end. Have a stiff upper lip. Quit crying about meaning and finding your identity. Just go and do something. Despair and indifference don't really satisfy us. We don't really love those answers. So to avoid despair, do you know what we do? We pretend. We all live pretending. We act like there's meaning. We act like things like love and friendship and family matter, like career and getting good grades matters. We act like there is justice and equality. We just pretend that there's meaning even though we can't prove it. And we push down the big questions. We push down the big questions that cause us despair and, and anything that we don't really want to think about in our doubts, we push them down. We just ignore them and pretend like everything's okay. And we live the modern life, and the modern life has an aim. Do whatever you want and whatever makes you happy. Look inside yourself to find yourself. Be your true self by looking inside yourself. What you feel, do. Then you will be happy. But if I look inside myself, there's lots of things that I want to be. One, years ago, I wanted to be a quarterback, and then that one failed. One that I've never lived into fully, but I may still have time to do, is to be the kind of person who can create art that will compel people and move them forward. The kind of person who can make a difference in this world because of the songs that I write and the songs that I sing, knowing that my voice can change people, can, can move them, can make them happy. So let me try this one. me to sing him a song so I'm here now I've found you and guess what I love you I love you I love you I hope you are compelled by my art how do we know if we, what we want to do, what we feel we should be doing, what we think we're supposed to be doing is what we're supposed to be doing. How do we know if the things that we feel and the things that we want are good or right? How do we know that life at all matters, that you and I matter? So what if 
instead of there is no purpose and it's all meaningless, what if there is a purpose? What if there is design? What if there is a composer and a musical score? And you and I are not intended to just kind of do whatever we want and make noise because that's what we feel like doing. But we are actually intended to play our instrument's part in his symphonic masterpiece. You know, modernity would say, you are the author of your own book, go write your own story. Christianity, Christianity makes a different claim. It, said, it says God is the author, there is a purpose, there is meaning. There's even a true identity that you were created to live into. And at, you will find that, you will fill that out as you understand your character's story inside of his grand narrative. The grand narrative of this God, this creator, is centered on Jesus. In John 1, John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through Him, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, the claim of the Bible is that there is an author, there is a composer, there is a creator. That life is not random or meaningless, but intentional and filled with purpose and meaning and beauty and potential joy. The claim of Christianity on top of that is that the creator God entered creation as a baby born to a poor Middle Eastern teenage mom in order to fully reveal himself to us so that we could know him. It is the most profound claim of Christianity that God became human, became one of us to say, I want you to know me. Poet Lucy Shaw puts herself in the mind of the mother Mary, that teenage mom holding onto her, in, her newborn infant and thinking about what the angel has told her about who this baby is that she's holding. Lucy Shaw writes this, quiet he lies, whose vigor hurled a universe. He sleeps, whose eyelids have not closed before. His breath so slight it seems, no breath at all, once ruffled the dark deeps to sprout a world. The meaning of Christmas is that the creator God has come. Not just that he has come, that he has come for you. What was the message of the angels to those shepherds out in the field? I bring you good tidings of great joy for all the people. Everyone should know this. There's a Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one who is going to rescue us from our sin, from the brokenness of this world. The Lord God Almighty has come. But inside of that is this phrase that is so beautiful. For unto you. For unto you. Who is the you that's being talked about there? It's the shepherds the outcast, the one who everyone had prejudices against, the despised, the sinful and broken, those guys, unto you. The angel came to them. Why them? The angel is saying the Messiah God wants you to come see him, wants you to know him. Unto you we've come. 
And this will be a sign. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Don't just stand out here in the field. Go see. If you're struggling this Christmas, if it's been a hard couple of years for you, if you've just been struggling in life, not just this Christmas, or if you're the kind of person who comes in here tonight and you actually find it hard to believe in some of the stuff we're talking about or I'm talking about, you have doubts, you've seen the hypocrisy of Christians, there's a lot of it, (laughs) or you've dealt with worse in your life than you want to talk about, I might say you should ask this question, is any of this true? Can you trust it? But I think Christmas causes us to ask a different question. Not, is this true? Can you trust it? But actually, is he true? Can you trust him? That's the only thing you need to answer. Is he true? Can you trust him? You know, many people would say Jesus. Jesus is a good religious teacher. But as most of you know, no one who ever met Jesus had that same feeling about him. Nobody ever called him a good religious teacher and just kind of left it at that. There's sort of an indifference to it in that way. Everyone who ever met him either ran away from him, tried to chase him away from them, or they dropped everything to follow him. Every single person who met him either fell down and worshipped him or they tried to kill him. The Magi come and worship, King Herod tries to slaughter him. From the beginning to the end, it's worship or murder. You've got to make a choice. To just remain indifferent with Jesus is just to go on pretending, and you don't want to do that. Don't pretend as if life matters when you don't really know if it does or doesn't. And I'm going to tell you this too, you don't have to have it all figured out. You really don't. You don't have to have all the theology figured out, all the claims figured out, all the implications on your life, you don't have to have it all philosophically understood. This Christmas, or maybe this year, this year upcoming, just take a few steps closer to the manger. Is he true? Can you trust him? Let's pray. God, our creator, as we come to you this night with the joy of Christmas at hand, we come with doubts and pain and heaviness, some of us with laughter and joy, but all of us with uncertainty and doubts and fears. Give us the courage to take a few steps closer to the manger this night and this day. Help us to see if we can trust him if he is true. Amen.